Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. River ready. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, I want to start a new series that we're, this month. Um, we're going to be talking for the next couple of weeks about a church worth building. A church worth building. Uh, that's the picture of our new building that uh, we are believing God for to, to build. But uh, I want to talk for the next couple of weeks not about the brick and the mortar and the, what color the carpet's going to be and those things may be important. But God is more concerned as what kind of church are we building? He's talking about, you know, what is a church worth building in the eyes of God? What's the spiritual side of it? He, is it, you know, a church worth building is a church where the word of God is being taught and the word of God is honored. A church worth building is where people's lives are being changed. It, it, it's where Jesus is lifted up. Come on. Amen. And so we're going to talk about those uh, all month long. Today, a church worth building is a church that is missional. This is Mission Sunday. And so I want you to stand with me. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Thank you, Ennis. Thank you, worship team, by the way. Didn't they do a fantastic job today leading us in worship? Pastor Steve and our Royal Rangers and all them guys are on their way back from Lost Valley. P- please pray for them. They've been up there all week camping, and they are going to be camped out, I believe. And uh, so, but... Um, we, we're going to go, and I believe the Lord wants to really touch some lives today and fill and empower some people today. Oh, man, three of you are excited about that. I believe God wants to empower you today. How many need some power in your life? Amen. We had a storm come through here Wednesday. How many lost power? It was awful, in it, when you lose power? Well, let me tell you, as a Christian... You can be a believer, but still not really have that power that you need. Okay. I'm going to show you that here in Acts chapter 1. These are Jesus' last words. And Jesus is saying to his disciples in verse 4, In being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. The favorite thing we love to do. How many understand that God has a, a, a time set? God has a watch and we have a watch. How many know that they're two totally different watches? Okay, please get that. He says to wait for the promise of the Father when he said, you have heard from me. In other words, Jesus said, I've been telling you about this my whole, my whole ministry. For, and he reminds them, for John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, oh, man, I can't wait to get this power. Nope. They said, Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Isn't that just like us? There we go again. There we go again. Lord, that's great about the power, but when are you going to start, you know, when are you coming back? When is the, you know, all this going to happen? And here goes Jesus again. And he said to them, and it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which your father has put in his authority, but he's bringing him back on track. But... Back to what I was saying. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I want to preach to you today a message entitled Empowered for the Mission. 
empowered for the mission. Father, your presence is here so strong today. We thank you for that. And God, you are just wanting to invade our lives today. Father, those that may be weary or tired, God, you want to strengthen them. Those that may be discouraged today and weak and and, and heavy-hardened today and burdened, Father, you want to lift them burdens off of us and lift us up and empower us, God, for the mission that you've called us to do, not only as a church, but as a people. And I pray, God, that you do that in this place today, that everyone would leave here empowered by your spirit. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Ask three people, are you ready to be empowered before you're seated? Amen, amen, amen. Well, got a little little something special for us today. This is Mission Sunday, and we're talking about being missional. So normally the thing would be would bring a missionary in here, and a missionary would talk to you about the life that he has and the ministry uh, that that missionaries have and the impact that missionaries have in people's lives. But instead of that, I want to let you hear from two, actually, two different families Uh, two different people that represent two different families, how their families were impacted by missionaries themselves. And they are here today. Please welcome, please help me welcome Providence and Crystal. Come on up, guys. Give them some love. It's not easy to come up here and stand in front of you. Amen. This is an awesome family that God has added to our church this year and brought them here. And if you haven't had a chance to meet these people, this family, you need to do that because they are just such a blessing and how they got here and what God has done in their life. We don't have enough time today to hear these awesome, awesome stories. But uh, I got to know them a little bit better here just so recently and, and got to hear some of their stories. And I'm just getting blessed sitting there. And I says, man, they got to hear this. They got to hear this. So um, I just want, I want to ask you some questions, a couple questions, and let's just start with there. How has a missionary... And being missional, how has that impacted your lives? I think that's pretty easy to ask, to, to ask that. So who wants to go first? Do you want to go? Okay. Good morning, everyone. Um, actually, I have never spoken in public, so please bear with me. Um, India is a land of Hindus. Most of them are Hindus, like 97% most of them are Hindus. Wherever you turn, you see temples and everything. And um, Thomas our disciple, he was the first one to come into India to uh, preach the gospel. Doubting, doubting Thomas. Thomas, yeah. It wasn't and doubting too doubt much. Amen. I'm sorry. And he died. He died in that place where we were born, uh, in Tamil Nadu, India. It's the southern tip. Um, he was killed, actually. And from that, slowly, little by little, it was not a big um, revival or anything like that, but little by little, here and there, uh, you can find small groups of Christians in the midst of everything. And my family was a really, really devoted Hindu family. Um, my grandparents were like, they stay in a group of village, like here and there. All the families get together and stay in a small pack. They don't move around like, um, they don't get married in different place or anything. They get married inside and they stay inside and they know each other in the same village. Like that my my um, grandparents were there, and my great-grandpa, he was, he was like a leader in the village. Um, and 
one day uh, they used to have a huge celebration festival for their guard, Hindu guard. And um, during that time, like um, everyone, the whole village, they get together and they uh, have that festival. They sacrifice lambs and um, goats and whatever they mm. have to do, they do it. And they break a lot of uh, coconuts and palm things and a lot of things. I, I'm not much familiar with that, but they do that. They sacrifice things. Even to this day. Even to this day, they yeah. do. And uh, they dance before their God, and they prophesy. You, you guys might think it's not a big uh, religious thing, just they uh, worship a false God. No, it is, for them, it is a living God for them. Every day, they worship that God, because they prophesy, and they say things, mm. and that happens. It does happen like that. So my grandparents were in that cult, and um, my grandma was there. And one day, um, during that festival time, uh, one of my grandpa, he climbed up the coconut tree to get the coconut for the um, sacrifice. And he fell, and he died. That was a turning point for the whole family. They were mad, like, we were doing this for the God, and how can he kill? And finally, 30, nearly 30 families in one, one day, they threw all the idols. Uh, and they decided, OK, let's go for the white people God. That's the thing they say. <laughs> <laughs> so they threw everything out. Like, they cleaned everything up. And they went to the church, which was like um, William and Tobias Ringeltobe. He was the one who baptized all the 30 families in there. And he took them in. And they were there. They got married inside. My grandma got married inside. And everything was as normal as possible. And finally, they don't know the move of the Holy Spirit in any way, shape, or form. They have heard it a little bit, but they don't know anything about that. Um, 1916s, um, here the Azul Street movement, from here, people came in um, here and there, like even Chennai, the place where we were born. They came in there, and they were starting to preach about the Holy Spirit. Um, one lady, like Mary Chapman, she came from the Azu Street, and she started to preach about the Holy Spirit. That was a new thing. An American woman yep. preaching about the Holy yep. Spirit <laughs> in the early 1900s. Yeah. Just think about that. And they were, it was a, like a pocket. Like we, um, that happened some, somewhere 200, 500 kilometers from our home. And we don't know about those things. Now we have the media and everything. That time, that's only the word of mouth that we know. Mm -hmm. And uh, one day, my grandma, she is like awesome woman of God. She, she even in the normal thing, first came into the, uh, that village was the Protestants, the Lutherans, the Baptists, and that kind of missionaries. They came in and they gave the gospel. And we didn't know about the Holy Spirit movement. So one of my grandmas, she used to sit and pray, and she fasted, and she did all the things that normal, normally we do to uh, seek God, right? So one day when she was fasting and praying, she was anointed. And she started to talk in tongues. That is a no-no. 
that is a no no she didn't even know that she was talking in tongues that's the wonderful thing about it she has never gone to any schools she's not, never into the school system or anything and um, there oh, my grandpa and everyone they thought she was possessed with the demon spirit <laughs> so what they do is like they'll tie them up in the tree and they'll put they'll take a little bit of hair and they'll nail them in the tree and they'll start beating you she was beaten many times and still when she opened her mouth she wanted to say stop and she will be speaking in tongues which she couldn't stop for one and a half days it is going on and on she's getting beating and stuff and finally one of the grandma she came in and she said like stop it we don't know about this i heard that somebody in the next village were talking about something called holy spirit might be that so let's wait and see what's going on and then finally she came home and and that was the moment that started and uh, in our family we can say like this is an approximate thing like more than 40 people are full time they are in the full time ministry and lots and lots like it is like spreading like wildfire we think like when the missionary comes in and show you one slide that these people are saved it's not that one person i for me when i'm sitting there and seeing that i can't bear that you know it is a huge huge yeah. number you can never know like even in one family we can say this many people came to christ it's not that generation generation we are like fourth and fifth generation christians so our lord's heart is in the mission field yeah my yep now when your grandmother was speaking in tongues they didn't know they thought she was demon possessed but they later learned that she was actually what speaking in tongues and she can speak beautiful american english <laughs> with the accent that's she was speaking in english english she was she speaking was in english and they thought it was gibberish and then someone said wait a minute she's not speaking in gibberish she's actually speaking in english <laughs> never you know that's what the bible means when it says the tongues are for a sign for others to believe so they thought she was demon possessed and someone goes no no that sounds familiar and that's how they were able to connect the dots and this woman's never been taught english never went to miranda's east cell coffee shop and learned english <laughs> but the holy spirit that was a supernatural ability that did that and, and uh, 40 you said how many families now uh, are part of your family not family pastor like um, they are in full-time ministry 40 wow. people are in full-time ministry more than hundreds our family is a big family. You have so. an uncle that has a church of how many people? It's, it's um, at one time they have 3,000 people and he has four, four or five services, English, another English service, and it is packed. Amen. It is packed. He has a lot of churches around him. Amen. All because of Christian churches okay. being missional, reaching out and saying, hey, man, let's cross the borders. Let's, let's cross the differences of race, of po politics, of whatever, geographic boundaries. Let's go into all the world and preach the gospel like Jesus told us to do. And standing here today is a family that has been touched by that. Amen. 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 Pravinth? Hi, everyone. Um, from my dad's side, it'll be my great-grandparents. Um, in their generation, they, I mean, they were missionaries from here. Uh, basically, uh, they were converting 
people were accepting Christ, my grandparents' side. But the thing was, they were getting persecuted. Like she said, Hinduism is prevalent there. So there were a lot of uh, persecutions. So what happened was, I think one particular community, uh, one person, what they, he did was he created a separate village, which is like a city of refuge. So he started that, and he said, like, any Christians converted, you can be part of that uh, village. Wow. So that's how he started that. And there are like total 4,500 people now in that village now. So it's like a city of yeah. refuge. So people have converted, they come to that place. And from my mom's side, it's going to be like, uh, I think my great-granddad, uh, uh, he was an orphan. So I think a missionary came and took him, and he named him it's John. And that's how named that generation, John. yeah. So like today we were singing this song, like how he loves us. So I thought like yes. he loved that generation which came to us, so now we are Christians. So that was the thing which I saw was really Amen. good. Amen. And one more thing. Um, just real quick, if you are a Christian, now India has different classes of people that have to live in certain areas. If you're Hindu, you get to live in the better parts of the country, right? But if you're a Christian, you're, you're kind of have to be put in, a, in another group. They're totally separate. Um, actually, it's a caste system. Um, the Brahmins are the top class, like uh, the Hindu priests, they were the top class. And all the other Hindus, they are like us. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. <laughs> they have different classes. According to the job you do, they classify, and you, you are there somewhere. Wow. And you guys, uh, they just got a new prime minister, and he's not very happy with Christians there, right? Yeah, he's he, see, Bunting, uh, missionary Bunting, she is there for a long time there. They can't become a citizen. That's the worst part. No, you can't. So they, ch they chased everyone out. Now, no missionaries are there in India. Mm. The ones that uh, we were born there, so few missionaries are there. All the others are chased the, out. The Assemblies of God do have missionaries there, but they're underground, they're, yep. they're hidden. Uh, we get weekly we get newsletters to pray for them and due to the sensitive content we cannot tell you their name or do not share their name or location with your congregation just pray for the missionaries that are underground and uh it's a real thing people and we're able well, we're believing god that he's going to continue to move in the nation in the country of india and all around the world we just thank god for what he's done in your guys's lives amen thank you pastor thank amen. you for that. thank you thank you brother amen Amen. Yes. Amen. That is so awesome. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? I just have two points that I want to, uh, two reasons today, obvious reasons why we need to be missional people. But I'm also going to give you two not so obvious reasons within these two that we often miss it. And why it is so important that we are and stay missional people. The first one is very simple. Uh, Jesus, how many know that we are commanded to be missional? How many know that? How many know it's not the great suggestion, it was the great commandment? Uh, so we are commanded to go into all the world. And if you're not familiar with that, uh, I want to show you something, though. Anyway, put that up there. This is Matthew chapter 28. This is Jesus' last words. 
Uh, again, this is all in the context of his, his last uh, instruction to the disciples. We read in Acts 1 how he told them to be empowered. We'll get to that here in just a minute. But the beginning in context here, you, you have to follow the stories in the Gospels. They're all written by four different people, but they tell the same story from different perspectives. So you have to sometimes get two of the Gospels together to understand the setting of what was happening. So this all happened when Jesus was being ascended into heaven and all of this is in the same conversation. But he looked at his disciples, and this is for us today, and he said, stay in your church and build awesome programs and awesome buildings. No, what did he say? He said, go. He said, go therefore and make disciples into all the nations, all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm not, lo is an expression that he used. And in the Greek there, it's just simple an expression. If he was talking today, he would simply say, go into all the world and make disciples. And hey, listen, I'm going to be with you always. Hey, listen, it's just an expression there. And lo, I am with you always. And so the last word that he said there, I am with you always, it totally just um, frames in that whole verse. So it's an obvious commandment, but what is not so obvious about it is when you look at that very first word, when he says go, and you understand the context of what Jesus is doing there. It's his last words, and he's saying, I'm going to be with you even to the ends of the age, even to the ends of the earth of time. I'm going to be with you. So therefore, I want you to go into all the world. And the word go there is a Greek word, which is a very long word, but it's an active verb, which can be translated in saying this, as you go throughout the world, as you go throughout your life, as you go and work your jobs, as you go and live in your communities, know that I am with you. And because I am with you, I want you to have it to be a part of a lifestyle and not just a one-time event in September or October or once a month. It's a way that I want you to live from now on because I'm going to be with you. I'm even going to empower you. I want you to go along your journey making disciples as you go. And when he said this, and it's a Jewish audience at the time, which they thought it was only going to be Jews, little did they know what God had in store. That there was going to be white people and black people and brown people and yellow people and people that love pork chops. Amen. They're all going to be included into God's kingdom. They had no idea. They thought it was just going to be a Jewish thing. That's why they kept going back to, what about the Jewish people? Are you going to restore Israel to the Jewish people? And Jesus is like, I'm not, What? No, 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 no. This is bigger than the Jewish people. And let me just say that for everybody here. It's bigger than America. How many know God is not American? God bless America. He's not up there in America. He's bigger than our American politics. Do you know Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat? My daughter has a shirt. It says Republican, Democrat, and awake. And it has a check next to that one. She's awakened to the real thing, and it's a kingdom thing. It's bigger than American. Listen, who you vote for is important, but who you influence for Christ is so much more important. Listen to me today. It's more important than that. 
Who you vote for, presidents come and go, but where you spend eternity when your heart stops beating is more important. When you get to heaven, God's not going to say, Eddie, who'd you vote for? He's going to say, Eddie, who'd you bring with you? What'd you do with my son that I gave you? What'd you do with him? And I love to talk politics, but when, when politics becomes Lord, I check out. What did they say when they crucified Jesus? The, the Pharisees said, the Jews uh, have, Rome has no other God than Caesar. And sometimes Americans, Christians can say there is no other God than politics. I check out. Go, but listen, when he said this to the Jewish audience, they were taken back to what is called the Shema. I'm going to teach you something here today. Everyone say Shema. Shema. You've heard of the Shalom, right? It means how you doing and it's a blessing. But the Shema when Jesus said these words, go, and that very first word being connected to the whole commandment, and it ended with the fact that he is going to be with you, they recognized that this is reminiscent of the Shema. The Shema is a, the most central and the most important prayer in Judaism. When children are first uh, learned to speak, they memorize this prayer. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 6. And the word Shema means to hear. It's the first word in that scripture. And it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Or Shema. That's why the prayer is called the Shema. It's the most important prayer in Judaism. And it all stems from that very first word, hear, O Israel, for the Lord your God is one. Why did he say that? Because in the ancient culture... And we just learned even today, there are people outside of America who worship all kinds of different gods. It's called a polytheistic in theology, uh, culture. A polytheistic means worship more than one God. And Jehovah God, our God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, says you don't have to worship the fish God, the moon God, the sun God, the this God, the that God. You worship me because I created it all. So it don't matter what your horoscope said today, you're not bound to what your Capricorn or cancer or whatever else. You are designed and created in the very image of God. You plan your ways, but God directs your footsteps. No matter what your horoscope said. Why look to the stars when you can look to the one that made the stars? Come on, somebody. The old song goes with Carmen. Remember Carmen? Okay, look him up. You'll be blessed. Amen. <laughs> so he says, I want you to let people know that you're going to be different because you don't worship all these different gods. So I'm going to get a parking spot. Well, the parking gods, you know, are looking out for me. And I know it's kind of cute and fun to say that, but come on, let's grow up a little bit. Let, 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 let's realize that it is, the Bible says every good thing comes from God. So if a parking place is good for you, guess what I'm going to do? Acknowledge God in all my ways. I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. If I get a raise, it's not going to be because I worked hard for it. Well, I should be because I'm a follower of Christ, but it's, I'm going to say, God, thank you for that. I'm going to thank God for that because the devil didn't give you a raise. So hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. I can't wait to talk about, I got this 
series I'm going to do next month or the month after about family and relationships. This is so key that God said, I want you to do this. And, and so th- that's the Shema. That was the prayer. And still to this day, it is the central prayer of Judaism. But many people miss it. The obvious thing is to understand what it says and to recite it. And many of the the Pharisees, many of the Jewish people today will write this prayer on a little piece of paper, roll it up, and put it in a little leather box on their right hand or even around their head. It's called a phylactery. And they will pray with that scripture on their head. And God said, "That's, that's wonderful, but it's not just to be memorized. It's not just to be recited. It's to be lived. It's to be in your heart as you go throughout your life. Raise your kids. Tell them about me. So I put some emphasis up here, and I want you to see it like this. This is really what it means. When you love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, you will put the words which I command you today into your heart. Then, because you love God, you've put his word in your heart, then it's a consequence. It's not a commandment. It It is a fruit. It is a consequence of your relationship with God. You will teach your kids diligently when they wake up in the morning, when you take them to soccer practice, baseball practice, swim practice, football practice, hero practice, every practice, choir, work, everywhere you go as you work your jobs, you will tell your children about me. Back to what Jesus was saying, he's saying the same thing, and the audience understood it. They got it. That's why they're 12 ordinary fishermen, tax collectors, common folk who changed the world forever. Did you hear our brother Thomas? He gets a bad rap. Doubting Thomas. How many know some people can snapshot and give you a label based on one thing you've done in your life? How many know people can change? Tell your neighbor people can change. They only change if we let them. Thomas gave his life for people. Why, how did they do it? How did they, because they had it in their heart. The mission statement has got to be more than just on the back of our shirts, church. And, and a church worth building is a church that don't just have a mission statement on the wall, but produces people that are missional, that will live for God, that will preach the word. As they go through life, they will say, I am the church. I'm called to represent Christ all the time, every day, everywhere I go, wherever I go. You want to talk politics? We'll talk politics. But I tell you that there's one greater than the politic base. You want to talk life? You want to talk sports? I love sports. I love football. Five weeks to kick off, but who's counting? But I tell you what, you will see me in church worshiping God more than I do the Detroit Lions. More than I do sports. Whatever it is that you love to do. I listen to a couple of my podcasts because I try to remind myself, what am I preaching? I need to start preaching more of this. I haven't preached this. And I notice, man, I talk about coffee a lot. Listen, I love coffee, okay? That's good, but I'm going to have to quit talking about it because I don't want you to get confused. I love Jesus more and coffee. Anyway, it goes together. But that's what he's saying here, church, and that's what we're called to be, and that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. There's a lot of great churches in the area. I pray for all of them. But I am, I am going to be responsible 
Listen, I may not be the most talented, the most gifted, the most best looking, the most educated, the most uh, knowledgeable, the most whatever pastor or person in this church, but I am the only one that is responsible for this church. And so I want to make sure when I stand before God that I'm done my job. And my job is to get up here every week and to preach this word in a way that will get into your heart and that you will grasp what I'm saying, understand what I'm saying. Jeremiah said, I will give you shepherds that's after my own heart, says the Lord, ones that will feed you with knowledge and with the understanding. And that's what my job is. And our job is to be missional. I want to give you a scripture real quick before we move on. Then we're going to close and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray in just a moment. But I want to show you one of the most shocking verses in the Bible when it comes to having a burden and being a missional person. Many theologians, don't read it yet, block it out, go on. Many theologians disagree with what Paul means here. They can't really grasp what he is saying. But listen to what Paul the apostle says. He says, I speak the truth in Christ and I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. Boy, that got real. Many theologians are saying, what, what is he saying? Is he actually saying that he would be willing to go to hell for an eternity just for the sake of his brothers, the Jewish people, would be saved? That is mind-blowing. And he starts off by saying, I'm not just getting emotional. I'm just telling you the truth. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I could wish. I don't know if he is literally saying figuratively or literally or whatever, but I do know this, that I look at the burden that he has right there, and I compare it with my burden, and I say, oh, my God, I can do better. Because listen to me. We are not called as Christians to fulfill our dreams. We're called to fulfill his dreams. But I've learned 20 years when I am committed to fulfilling God's dreams, he takes care of me. My kids weren't always serving God, always up here, high, down there. Felicia's down there teaching. They weren't always doing that way. But we stayed faithful to the Lord and gave them to God. And I taught them all along the way. As they got older, they didn't go to soccer practice. Miranda was the only one that was athletic that got into it. Felicia liked the band. But I learned to take dates with my daughter, daughter dates, go out, spend time with them, have coffee with them. They're getting older. Got to have coffee when they get older. Amen. Anyway, <laughs> there I go again. <laughs> <laughs> But I learned along the way. You got disagreements. Hey, we all can disagree. We can, we all, we're, no one agrees. Does everybody here agree on the same thing? Oh, we, we all are aware of that. But can you love one another because they disagree with you? If you don't allow that to happen, it will limit and hinder your growth as a person. And I've learned, God, that I got it as my daughters were growing and as they were getting older, that we did this because I have a passion and I could wish. Number two, and this is what I'm closing with, we're commanded, number two, we are empowered to be missional. Hear me, we are empowered to be missional. Acts 1.9 obviously says that you will wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
For when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Now we learn through the stories of Acts that obviously when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when they received this, that they spoke in tongues. And, and I love the story of uh, Crystal and her family, how she spoke in English and she's able to speak in English. I've heard that so many, many, many times of stories like that. I've heard John Brevere tell the stories of when he was out of the country. I mean, they're, they're amazing. I've been in Honduras and I've prayed for people to receive the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in the same tongue language that I hear people Americans speak in. And it's not Spanish, it's not English. The Bible teaches that that language is either a language here on earth or it's a heavenly language. And it's not for you and I to really get stuck on. That's where people get stuck. It's not about tongues. Jesus never said, go up in the upper room until you speak in tongues. No. He says, go into the upper room until you receive power. And when that power comes in, you do have a prayer language. It will give you a prayer language that you will use from that day forward to build yourself up. This is what is not so obvious about that, is they had no idea what Jesus was telling them why you need power. They had no idea that he's referring to the fact that they are going to have to suffer persecution. They're going to have to suffer suffering, the loss of family members. The very first missionary that stepped out of the church and was like, Woo, I'm going to go preach with Stephen, a young man full of the Holy Spirit. And they stoned him and killed him. I know the church was like, what? Tommy Barnett, who has Phoenix First Assembly of God in the 1980s when bus ministries were happening, he launched a bus ministry, and the church was kind of small, and they were picking up senior citizens and bringing them to the church, and they had an awful accident in that van. It rolled over, and a couple of the seniors passed away. It was tragic. It was like, oh my gosh, it was so awful for the families, and people said, Tommy Barnett, you're, you're, certainly you're going to close now, or they thought he was going to quit. Surely stop the bus ministry. And the family members of those that lost their loved ones said, don't, they're in heaven. Don't stop reaching out. And Tommy Barnett has not stopped reaching out. He buys entire buildings and turns them into hospitals and turns them into, what's they're called? Dream centers. And they end up impacting their country or, 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 or that part of the world on and on. I can tell you, but he has to have, you got to have power to be able to endure what God has for us. The goal is not to have a position in church, but the goal is to finish the job that Christ started. You hear me? And what you'll read in the Bible is that many times they had to get recharged. They had to get refilled. They had to get recharged. They had to get together in a circle in Acts chapter 4. And they prayed and they said, God, times are tough. Because listen, you're going to have problems in your marriage. You're going to have problems in your home. You're going to have problems in your finances. You're going to have problems. The church began to grow in Acts. And they started having problems between the Greek-speaking Jews and the Hebrew-speaking Jews. There was a racial divide there. And they had to have the Spirit of God to help navigate the church through that. If you read Acts, it's amazing. Everything come against that church. And everything's going to come against our church. And everything's going to come against you to stop you. The devil will try everything to stop you from coming to one of the best services that he knows is going to change your life. It could be it right now. I'm trying. I'm done preaching. I said to myself, I'm not going to preach long. I want us to get empowered today. How many can need, how many needs a refill? Can I got news for you today? God gives refills. I said, God gives refills. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. 
I want you to know that God gives refills. You need to be empowered. We need to be empowered today. Maybe you've never been empowered. You need to get empowered today. Maybe you once were empowered, but you feel that power getting low. Life is happening. Whatever is happening, you need to be recharged today. How many need to be recharged today? Can you stand with me today and just lift those hands to the Lord? The worship team's going to sing, and I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place right now. Hallelujah. 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 Go ahead. Just love on him right now. Go ahead. Go from listening mode to receiving mode. Hallelujah, Jesus. You got so much more. We are all missionaries to our families. We are all missionaries to our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools. Hallelujah. We need to be filled today in this place. We need more of you today, Jesus. If you need more of them today, just open your arms up to him. Lift your hands up. Lift your heart up to him and ask him to fill you even right now where you are in Jesus' name. If you need Jesus in your life and you need to ask God to forgive you of your sins and you want to ask him into your heart right now, just ask him to come in right now. In Jesus' name, forgive me and wash me. Cleanse me, oh God. I want to live for you, Jesus. If that's you, just get saved right now in your seat. Just say those words. Forgive me, Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my heart right now. Hallelujah. But I'm going to do this. If you need to be refilled, I'm going to open the altars. I want you to come up. I want you to come up, and I want you to just stand right here and fill all across this place. If you need to be filled, I'm going to ask God to empower you and to fill you. If you need a refill, come on up. Fill up this middle, too, not just the side so everybody can fit. If you need to be filled, you need to be empowered. Come on up. Come on up. How many need a drink of the Holy Spirit? How many need to be filled today? Hallelujah. Come on up. Just lift your hands to the Lord and let Him fill you in this place today. Jesus. Empower your church today. Empower your church today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Rest of you just worship with us. Pray for them up here in Jesus' name that they would receive power. If you're tired today, maybe you're just kind of weak in your spirit, come on up and get filled today. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence, His promises, and all people.